Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Uh, hey everybody, <clears throat> good morning and welcome to uh, Christ Community Chapel. Really glad you're here. Uh, you are the ones who remember to turn your clocks there are a bunch of people that are coming at 11.30 that think or they're, they're actually going to come at 11, but uh, welcome. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online, welcome. I had a chance uh, this past week to sit down with a man named uh, Vitaly Sorokin, and uh, he is uh, a pastor from Ukraine. He was actually our ministry partner that we connected with when the war broke out between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, a year ago last month. You know, we sent over a bunch of relief, I think it was about $130,000, uh, some of it to Romania to care for refugees that were flooding that area, some to Ukraine to try to care for people there. Uh, Vitaly was one of those. Uh, we, he got $45,000 from our church, and so he was telling me what had happened, and I just thought I would tell you. Uh, he and his wife uh, live in a city that is six miles from the Russian border, so they were one of the first cities that was hit. And they, uh, they lived in a, uh, an eighth-floor apartment, and when the shelling began, they realized that it wasn't unsafe. He showed some photos of apartment buildings that had been hit. This is one, and then there's another that's completely destroyed. And so he and his wife decided early, like within two days, that we have to get out of our apartment. And they uh, filled two backpacks, put them on, headed 15-minute walk to the church where there was a basement. By the way, they have never gone back to their apartment. So that's all they had when they left their apartment, two backpacks. They get to the basement of their church because they think it's kind of like a bomb shelter. And, oh, that's the church in the background. And that's where a missile hit. And uh, they ended up within 48 hours having 200 other people in the basement of this church. It's a 4,000 square foot basement. And they cared for those people every day 
and then began to feed them. And then uh, Vitali is a part of 11 churches that are part of his association in the city. All 11 churches are still acting as like a refuge center for people and are feeding up to 2,000 people uh, a week. Uh, unbelievable. And as they do this compassion and show compassion on people, they are telling them about Jesus. And uh, hundreds of people have come to know Jesus as their Savior and been baptized. And uh, Vitaly just wanted us to know uh, what had happened with what we sent over. And I just wanted to tell you, I told you last week, uh, don't stop being generous. Uh, it's great, great stuff. And I found out from our financial office that four more of you decided to set up reoccurring gifts last week. So thanks so much. That really is helpful to us. All right. So, oh, one more thing. Um, Somebody came up with this idea this past week. There's a family in Hudson uh, that had their house burned down and they've lost everything. Uh, they don't attend this church, but the person who came up with this idea does attend our church. And they said, listen, I know we do this just because thing during uh, December where we blanket the area with acts of generosity. Why, why don't you invite people, uh, the whole church, that if you, and then, so I'm doing this, if you happen to be at Target, or Home Depot, or Walmart, and you want to just pick up a gift card for any amount and bring it next week, drop it in one of our offering boxes. We will bundle all those up and give it to this family that lost everything. I just think it would be, it'd be so cool. And it'd be great to be known, and I think we are becoming known, as a church that responds to things like that. So if you're out there and you think of it, It'd be great if you picked up a gift card, drop it in one of the boxes next week, and we'll give it to them. All right? Okay. We are uh, continuing our series on the Gospel of Mark uh, that we are calling uh, Jesus the One True King. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. If you're going to use one of our Bibles in uh, the pew or over in East Hall, it's page 790. Page 790. And just like last week, if you do not have a Bible, it would be our privilege to give you your first Bible. All you have to do is go to our Next Steps area, and they will give you a Bible. All right? We're going to look at uh, the passage uh, that's called the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of the only miracles that's in, recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's such a strange miracle because it is so terribly temporary. I mean, Jesus feeds this huge crowd of people a single meal. It didn't last very long. I ate dinner last night. I was hungry this morning. Right? You probably did too. Like if I was Jesus, I would have concentrated my miracles on miracles that like lasted a while. Like healing someone who is blind makes perfect sense to me because they see like the rest of their lives. Healing somebody who is lame makes sense to me. They walk for years, years. Giving a homeless guy a meal where he's going to be hungry again in a matter of hours baffles me. So why would Jesus do that? And why would it make such an impact that the disciples made sure that it was recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
Okay, here are my three points that I want to pull out of this passage. If you're a note taker, if you just want to know where I'm going. As we look at Jesus, the one true king, I want to look at the king's compassion, the king's pattern, and the king's sacrifice. His compassion, his pattern, and his sacrifice. First, his compassion. So last week, we were talking about uh, the story of uh, Jesus and Jairus, this father whose daughter had died. Jesus raises the little girl from the dead. And he also heals this woman who has a hemorrhage, right? Since that story until now, a lot has happened in chapter 6. We know Jesus sends the disciples out two by two in pairs, right, to, to go out through the whole region. And he says, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to tell people the good news that the kingdom of God has come because the king has come, right? And then he gives them authority to heal people who are sick and to cast out demons. Little side note, you know, wherever the kingdom of God comes in power, it kind of turns the clock back to what to making the world more of what God intended it to be. Like eventually, when the kingdom of God takes over everything, the world will be exactly the way God intended it to be. So that's why Jesus gave the disciples the authority to make people healed and to cast out demons because it's not God's intent that people be sick or oppressed by evil. Right? Can you imagine what a town, just a, a town would be like if Jesus was in charge of everything in that town? Right? It'd, be the be- it'd be the best town in the world. It's actually what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be like a little outpost of the kingdom of God. That's why this place is supposed to be wonderful. Because in this place, Jesus is supposed to be king, your king, my king in charge of everything. You know, and that's true in your life, too. In every place in your life, every section of your life where Jesus really does reign, is really in charge, you will experience healing and goodness and grace. That's just true. All right. So the disciples, they go out, they preach, they heal, they come back to Jesus, they give the report, and momentum is just swelling. Right? The crowds are getting bigger. The needs are increasing. So much so that in verse 31, it says that Jesus and the disciples were so busy they didn't have time to eat. Right? Can you imagine? Several years ago, uh, before COVID hit, I was on a mission trip to India. It was a medical mission trip to India. And uh, we would go into a village and we would set up uh, a station with a dentist and a station with an optometrist and a station with a general practitioner. You know, and sometimes I would work, work triage, which means I would uh, get somebody from the line and I would find out their need and I would send them to the right place. You have not lived until you see someone put on glasses for the very first time. When they've never seen anything clear and they put the glasses on, you can see their face just light up. It's as close as I've ever come to watching a blind person get healed, right? When you have somebody who has an abscessed tooth that's been having them in agony for a month where they haven't been able to take a single bite without shooting pain, and then you take them to a dentist, and in less than an hour, 
They are out of pain. It's like answering someone's prayer in real time. It's amazing. If you've never gone on a mission trip, you should go on one. But anyway, we would work from, you know, the, the crowds would keep getting bigger because, you know, word would spread and people from other villages would walk and stand in line and wait. And so we would work from sunrise to sunset. And when the sun went down, we would stagger to our vans and crawl in our vans and take off. And we knew our day was done then because vans can move faster than people can walk, right? So we knew that no, we weren't going to see anybody. And those rides were always just great rides because we would talk about the day and all that happened, and we would laugh, and we'd get back to the mission compound. We would eat a meal. We would take a shower. We would go to sleep. We'd wake up, do the next thing the next day. In this story, Jesus and the disciples are so busy They can't have time to eat, so Jesus has them get into a boat. That's their version of a van because they can get away from people. And they must have been totally exhausted. Zach preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago about Jesus calming the storm. In that story, Jesus is asleep. They They have to wake him up in the middle of a storm. How tired do you have to be to fall asleep in a wooden boat? In the middle of a raging storm, they were absolutely exhausted and they're looking forward. Jesus is saying, we're going to go to a remote place where we can be by ourselves and get some rest. And the people see where they're going and they run around the lake. So as the boat like pulls in, they're greeted by dozens, hundreds, thousands of people. How do you feel? Like, if I was one of the disciples and I was rowing and I saw that happening, I would just start rowing the other way, right? Like, no way I'm doing that. Jesus sees those people, and this is what it says. It says, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. In compassion. There are probably a lot of ways to define compassion. Let me tell you the way I think about it just with myself. It's the ability to feel what someone else feels and care about it. I mean, it's the ability to, to feel what somebody else feels and actually care. And I have found in my own life that uh, my ability to uh, have compassion on somebody has a direct connection to my level of discomfort. Like, if, if I feel like you are in more pain than I am in, then I can muster up compassion for you. But if, if I'm like really tired and you say you're really tired and I think you're not as tired as I am, I'm like, mm, suck it up, right? No compassion. Jesus, bone tired, not being able to eat, saying to his disciples, we're going to go to a remote area, met when, he gets, when, he, when the boat comes up on shore, met by thousands of pairs of gimme hands. Jesus, gimme, 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 Jesus, gimme, 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 right? And Jesus has compassion on them. Listen, never underestimate the compassion of Jesus. Never think that he doesn't know what you are feeling, what you are going through. Because Jesus is full of compassion, right? Even last week's story with Jairus, right? You know, Jesus goes and he, he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. 
and he gives this little girl back to her parents. But the way the story, I didn't even bring this up last week. The way the story ends is Jesus tells the parents, make sure you give her something to eat. <laughs> what a weird thing to say, right? Jesus raises her from the dead, gives her to her parents. Parents are probably gushing over Jesus says, oh, listen, don't forget. She missed lunch, you know, being dead and all. So you should give her something to eat. Listen, no, no matter what you are going through, don't think that you are alone and that no one cares. Jesus cares. Jesus knows because he is chock full. He is overflowing with compassion and love for you. Now the question is, how does that compassion and love actually get to you? And that brings me to my second point, which is the king's pattern. The king's pattern. Okay, so Jesus gets on shore. He's met by thousands of people. He looks at them and he has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. So he begins to teach them many things. Right? So he teaches them and it starts to get dark and the disciples come and they say to Jesus, uh, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. That's actually a really good idea. Right? If you read the Gospels, the disciples don't come up with a lot of good ideas. This is a good idea. Like what they're telling Jesus is this. Hey, Jesus, listen, it's late. This needs to be one of those conferences where you're on your own for lunch. Right? Like you've gone to those conferences where they teach, they go, hey, we've had a great morning together. Listen, we're going to have a great afternoon uh, lunch is on your own. Here's a list of all the restaurants, you know, that you can go to in town this way, that way, and then be back in an hour and a half. That's what the disciples are saying. They just go, Jesus. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's a good idea, though. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Why would he do that? Why would he involve the disciples at all? Right? I mean, they end up coming back with uh, five loaves. You know, one of the loaves was probably about this big and two small fish. Right? It's not like Jesus needed a starter kit, you know, to feed 5,000. It's not like he was going, if only I had a, just a couple of loaves, I could feed all these people. He doesn't need them. Why does he involve? There are two groups of people here. Jesus looks at the crowd and he tells his disciples, these are sheep without a shepherd. He looks back at them and he says, you're sheep with a shepherd, right? You're my sheep. I'm your shepherd. Listen, if, you, if you're here and you are not yet a Christian, I'm really, really glad you're here. Jesus is filled with compassion and love for you. You are a sheep without a shepherd. But if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a sheep with a shepherd and sometimes the shepherd makes demands on us. He calls us to participate, to be a part of what he's doing. And that's the pattern, right? And the pattern is like three steps. The first step that he gives the disciples is this, find out what you have. What do you have? The second step is give it to me. And the third step is watch what happens. Those are the three steps. What do you have? Give it to me and watch what happens. What, what do you have? This is what he says. 
He says, uh, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Right? Take inventory. So they go and they find they have five loaves and two small fish. And they bring it to Jesus. And I, I think they thought they were proving their point. I think they thought they were going, look, see, lunch on your own. We told you, right? We don't have, and they were hungry. That's what, the way the story begins. And they're like saying, we don't have enough to give. You ever felt like that? I don't have enough time to give. I, I don't have enough money to give. I, I, I can't give. That's what they, I don't think they expected Jesus to take it at all. And Jesus takes it, takes it all. Right? And this is the thing. If, you, if Jesus is your shepherd, you need to take inventory. Right? If you have a lot, give a lot. If you have a little, give a little. But Jesus calls you to participate because the very next thing is watch what happens. That's what Jesus is telling them. And you never know what God's going to do with what you give. Now, last week, I read a note from a social worker at Hudson City Schools thanking our congregation for what we do in November with the Thanksgiving baskets in this area. I was talking to Scott Dalton, who uh, delivers a lot of the Thanksgiving baskets. And one of the uh, houses that he delivered a basket to uh, was a 60-year-old uh, woman who was caring for her 90-year-old mother, just the two of them. And they were, she was shocked. And she asked Scott, how did you get our name? And Scott said, honestly, I don't know. And this woman said, because I didn't know a, a I didn't know a single other soul knew we even existed. Jesus did. Jesus knew them. Jesus, filled with compassion, sent them your Thanksgiving basket. Right? If you participated in that, you're at the grocery store, you were like, this is more expensive than I thought. Right? Just get it done. Drop it off. I don't know why I'm doing this. That's why. Because Jesus wanted the, those two women to know someone knows you. I know you. I care. Then there's this interesting, like, you know, the end of this section, it says, uh, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and the fish. What an interesting detail. They picked up 12 baskets, 12, 12. Why 12, right? 12 disciples, they pick up 12 baskets full of fish and, and bread. What's Jesus telling them? Jesus didn't tell them what he was going to do before he did it because he wanted them to trust him. And this is the way... He, I meant to tell you this. You know, like, Jesus could have told them. Like, he could have said, give me, your, give me the bread, give me the fish. He could have gotten, watch what I'm going to do. It's going to be great. 15 minutes, it's going to be a food fight. You won't believe it, right? But he doesn't. Jesus doesn't tell you either. He doesn't tell me. Because he's saying, just trust me. Would you trust me? So that's the pattern. Okay, now the... The last thing is, why is Jesus worth it? Why is he worth the trust that we have in him? Well, 
So Jesus uh, see these, sees these people, and they are sheep without a shepherd, so he begins to teach them uh, the gospel, the good news. He tells them, he gives them the word, and then he gives them bread. You know, like in the 21st century, when we look at bread, we think <laughs> carbohydrates, right? Carbs. This is about as deep as we get with bread. But in the first century, when they looked at bread, they thought life. Like it was a symbol for life. And Jesus spends time teaching them, giving their souls sustenance and then giving their bodies sustenance. He's trying to connect those two things. And if you look at this passage, it says in verse 41 that Jesus took the loaves and he broke them. He blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. The next time he does that is in Mark chapter 11. On a Thursday night in the upper room, Jesus takes bread, and he tells his disciples, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives it to his disciples, and he says, take, eat, this is my body for you. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, oh, listen, the only way you're ever going to have life, really life, deep down inside of you is if I become like bread for you, if I give my life for you. Jean-Paul Sartre was a, a French existential philosopher, playwright, ardent atheist. I read some of his plays when I was in college. One time he said this, he said that there is no God I cannot deny. That my whole being cries out for God I cannot forget. He said there, that there is no God I cannot deny, but that my whole being cries out for God I cannot forget. What's he saying? He's saying I don't believe God exists, but I long for him. I hunger for him. Jesus comes and he says, that hunger that Sartre says cannot be satisfied, cannot be cured, I am the cure. I will come for you, give myself for you, and through my death, you can have life. I can fill that longing in your soul. Listen, if you are here and you are not yet a Christian, I want you to know that Jesus is filled with compassion for you. And he offers his life for yours. That through his death, the reason he goes to the cross is because he is filled to the brim with compassion and love for each one of us. But if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you call Jesus your shepherd, then this is what I want you to be thinking of, that there are going to be times where Jesus says to you, take inventory, see what you have, give it to me, and watch what happens. Do you want to be a disciple like that? If we become a church filled with people like that, then the impact of that all around this area and the world 
will be enormous because Jesus longs for people to know that he sees them, loves them, cares for them, has given himself for them. Let's be a part of that. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I come to you and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for all that you teach us. I'm grateful for this particular story. I pray for those people who might be listening to this or watching this or here that do not yet know you. I pray that they will be drawn to Jesus, that they will recognize that his sacrifice on the cross was for them and that through his broken body, they can be filled and satisfied. I pray for all of us who call Jesus our shepherd, our king, that we would uh, more and more get caught up in the pattern of taking what we have, giving it to him, and then watching what he does with it. Thanks. Thanks for Jesus, uh, our Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.